It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I want winners. I want people that want to win. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You got to put your money where your mouth is, Pete. It's not gambling advice. Happy Friday, March 4th. Welcome to Not Gambling Advice. Today, we are ranking top 10 fantasy second baseman. On Wednesday's episode, we ranked the top 30 from 30 to 11. And on Friday today, we do 10 to 1. But before we get into it, I'm welcoming on, of course, my co-host, Colby Olson. What's up, dude? You're in the office today. Feeling good. How are you? I'm feeling good, dude. I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm technically in our studio um but yeah yeah doing well man it's pretty nice out and enjoying new york city so i can't wait to to get into second baseball let's do it and we didn't get to touch on this on the last episode but i think it's really important when we talk about strategy when it comes to fantasy baseball and each different position we talked about first base and how the position is just so incredibly loaded that there are guys in the 20 range that you could grab who will do just as well especially in the catchers maybe if you can't grab salvador perez or will smith early maybe it's a better idea to wait what about second base how do you play this position i think second base is much different from catcher and first base because a lot of the second basemen have shortstop eligibility or they have third base eligibility or some of them even have first base eligibility like we've seen with LeMahieu or Ty France um, or Max Muncy. But yeah, I, I don't think there's as much pressure on like, I need to grab a second baseman now. I think you can grab one anytime because a lot of them can be slotted in a lot of different places in your on your team. I agree. And when we went over the 30 to the 20, when 30 to 11 ranks, you know, there are still like a lot of really good players. I mean, we talked about Max Muncy. We talked about Tommy Edmond, Cronenworth, Ty France, DJ LeMahieu. There are so many good names that I would love to have on my fantasy team. It's just all about how you draft. Because remember, we're doing a five by five league. Home runs, RBIs, runs, batting average, and stolen base. So that's what we're looking at. Yep. So yeah, go ahead. One thing before we before you get into 10, I, I think I would emphasize grabbing one of these 10. I would not want to leave my draft without one of these 10. Um, there's a lot of stolen bases to go around within this 10. And you're probably going to want a really good second baseman because it's a it's a very star studded position. Absolutely. So let's start with a star in the making. At number 10, we have Jonathan India of the Cincinnati Reds. So the National League Rookie of the Year finished top 10 as a second baseman in 2021 in five by five leagues. And I don't see any reason why he can't do it again. India hit 269 last year with 21 bobs and 12 steals, add in 100 runs and 70, 70 RBIs. And you have a guy that checks all five categories. 
but will he do it again is the big question. And I think he can to a degree. I mean, you know, I'm always worried about the sophomore slump, um, but he hit any at 45% of his balls on the ground last year while being the lower third of average exit velocity and hard hit rate. And he's currently being drafted as the number 11 second baseman on boards. Do you think Jonathan India will take a step forward in 2021? Do you think he might take a step back or do you think we'll see a lot of the same from last year? I could see a lot of the same from last year. I don't think that there's a ceiling to go up from here though. I don't think the power um, potential is really there beyond what he did last year, but 21 home runs, his hard hit rate is about league average at 38%. And I don't really see a leap to 25 or 30 home runs. What do you think about that? You know, I think it's a leap to say 30, but I don't think 25 is that out of the question. Um, He's got, you know, he's got a great swing and he's a professional hitter, right? He's picked fifth overall. This isn't some, you know, fifth or sixth rounder who came burst onto the scene. Jonathan India was always expected to hit. I wouldn't be shocked if he hit 30, but I just, I really think that's a bit too much for Jonathan India. He's a leadoff hitter. He'll he'll get you a lot of runs. And I think 12 to 15 stolen bases could happen. Um, So yeah, he's a very, very solid choice here. And you did bring up Jazz Chisholm, but I think India is a star in the making as well. And and probably a bigger star than Chisholm potentially. It makes sense for both of them, kind of. It does. It does. It really does. Um, so number nine is, is a bit more of an established guy. Um, it's Brendan Lau of the Tampa Bay Rays. Shockingly, 2021 was Lau's fourth season in the bigs, but just his first season with more than 330 plate appearances. After an eighth-place finish in the MVP race in 2020, Loud showed that the power was very, very much real. He hit 39 bombs with 99 RBIs last season and finished 10th in the MVP. He sprinkled in seven stolen bases, and his average of 250, to me, looks more like a floor than a ceiling. Um, I think he can do more than 250 next year, and he's an everyday hitter in this race lineup, and he's going to have a ton of potential to near hundred runs and probably go above hundred runs next year, next year. I agree. I don't have much more to add. He's going to have, he's just going to contribute in every single category, but why do you like him so much? I think Brennan Lau is one of my favorite players in baseball aside from fantasy. Um, this is a guy that, that pretty much to me is locked in as a five to six win player. When you add in defense, um, he's a leadoff hitter. That's going to hit 40 home runs. That's a very, very rare skill set to have. And Wander Franco makes this raised lineup that much better. He's also a pretty efficient base dealer, seven out of eight. And if you look through, he hasn't stolen that many bases, but he rarely gets caught. He's just like a smart, smart runner. Also, the only thing is out of our top 10, he's probably might hit you for the lowest batting average, 247 last year. And I don't really see him boosting that up into the 260 range. I think he's a guy who kind of does sell out for power because that's his role on the Tampa Bay Rays. So but overall, I mean, he's a very, very solid option yeah. in fantasy baseball. I don't think that his average will go down either, though. I think like I 250 think so to 260 is pretty much what he's locked in for, and, and he's good for that. He's not going to move you down to 230. Absolutely not. I don't think so either. How about Cattell Marte of the Arizona Diamondbacks at number eight? This man has freakish abilities. He's got size, he's got strength, he's got speed, he's got positional versatility. You can even throw him in an outfield spot. And if he stays healthy for a full season, the sky is absolutely the limit. He had a healthy year in 2019 where he hit 330 with 32 bombs 
and 10 stolen bases. But he took a small step back in 2020, but came right back at it with at last year at 318 average with 14 home runs, but it was just in 90 games. Unfortunately, that's the thing you're probably going to have to monitor with Cattell Marte. It's health. He's played over almost 120 games just twice in his seven seasons so far. He's currently being drafted as the 10th best second baseman, but he could be a lot higher or a lot lower. That's the question. And we have him at number eight because, you know, the, I think the freakish ability sometimes outweigh the injury concerns because he could be easily a top five second baseman when it's all said and done. And he could be one of the better outfielders as well. How do you draft Gattel Marte? It's tough. Um, I liken it to the comparison for me is you're getting Javi Baez potentially at two to three rounds later than Javi Baez is being taken. If he's healthy for the whole year, he could hit close to 30 home runs. He could steal 20 plus bags and he's going to be, he's going to hit near 300. He hit 318 in 374 plate appearances last year. Nobody else is really doing that at second base this late in the draft. Um, So you're getting Javi Baez power potential plus speed with average. And it's really just whether he is on the field. 48% hard hit rate is very, very high. The power is real. Power is absolutely real. I mean, there was a story. um, My friend, Dustin Demeter, one of his good buddies was hitting in the cage with Cattell Marte. And he said that Cattell Marte walked into the batting cage shirtless without taking any warmups and was hitting 110 mile an hour pellets (laughs) the opposite way in the cage. That's what they were tracking about. Just came in, listening to a speaker, and just started raking like this. When I say freakish abilities, I'm not, I'm not being, you know, I'm not over exaggerating here. He's a freak of nature. He's freakish. I mean, he's, he's a low freak key, athlete. Two hundred and ten pounds, which opens him up to injury risk too, which sucks. Yeah. It really does suck because when he's on the field, he 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 could potentially be an MVP candidate because he's that that skilled. And we spoke about him on the Just Baseball show. He kind of gives me the Jose Reyes effect in a way when it comes to injuries. Just someone who is too fast for their own body. It's like, like Byron Buxton as well. They can't keep up with the amount of torque. Jacob DeGrom, another guy. How how many times yep. can the human body throw 102 miles an hour without suffering some sort of setback? It's kind of the same with Gatel Marte, Byron Buxton, a lot of these crazy athletes in baseball. I just wish they could stay on the field for 162. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I brought up Javi Baez and he's next on our list at seven. Um, Over the last three seasons, Baez has averaged 31 home runs, 90 runs and 94 RBIs and 17 stolen bases over the last three seasons. That is an unbelievable average to set. And while last year was kind of a tale of two seasons, he struggled to begin the year with the Chicago Cubs. He had 250. But upon his trade to the New York Mets, everything changed. He finished the year hitting 295. And his uh, strikeout rate went from 36% all the way down to 28%. I'm not going to say that that change is real per se, because pitchers were just not pitching to him at the end of the year. It was pretty apparent that like they were just going to throw the ball out of the zone and hope that he swung. And he just said, I'm not going to swing. But this is a guy, like I said, if you average 31 home runs, 90 runs, 94 RBIs, 17 stolen bases, and he can mix in. 260 to 270 he doesn't hit 230 like a lot of people may think he he hits pretty good average I love him what do you think my only thing is I'm curious how the move to Detroit how he's going to do because that ballpark is just enormous you know what I'm saying as well I like Javi Baez personally 
I don't think I'm going to draft him. But if he were to fall a little bit in drafts, I think he's a guy that you definitely should nab because, you know, to your point, maybe a lot of people think, you know, he strikes out so much. He must hit 230. What's he going to do next year? I still think he's going to be great next year. I just, Javi Baez personally, I don't know if I'm going to draft him next year at his current price. Fair enough. That's fair enough. That's a fair take. I think he's a polarizing player. Um, And I think Javi Baez is a guy that, I don't necessarily love in real baseball. I mean, obviously he's very good on defense, but I think I like him in fantasy here. Um, If you're giving me basically what I could get out of a Jose Altuve with stolen bases, the the potential here for Javier Baez is pretty high. And if he does make that change like he did in the second half, which I don't know how much weight I'm putting into that being real, but it's a possibility. It's a possibility. If he goes back to hitting 280, he's automatically a top four second baseman. I agree. If he goes back to doing that, he is a top four second baseman. I'm also very excited about this Detroit Tigers offense next year. I mean, we know about Robbie Grossman, Nikhil Badu, you know, Jaime Candelario. They have some guys, but they also have some very exciting prospects coming up the pipeline and Spencer Torkelson. We talked about him on the first base episode and Riley Green, who, you know, is one of the best outfield prospects. And I think one of the highest floor prospects in the entire sport. Um, So you get those two out of the lineup with Javi Baez kind of being that leader. I'm excited for maybe some more RBIs and possibly some more runs than we might think, but also the added that stadium is just really, really that hard stadium is brutal. But does it matter for a guy like Javier Baez? Like how many of Javier Baez's home runs are going to squeak out? I feel like that guy, when he, when he hits a home run, it's 400 plus. I don't think it's going to matter. That's actually, that's a great point. So let's move on to number six, who is Jorge Polanco of the Minnesota twins. Jorge Polanco is currently being drafted as the ninth best second baseman. And honestly, Colby, I'm not really sure why. The man hit 269 last year with 33 bombs, 11 stolen bases, and 95 plus runs in RBIs. I'm not sure what he can't do. I mean, he doesn't hit the ball all that hard. He finished below average in hard hit rate, but he keeps the ball in the air a lot, allowing for plenty of home runs and doubles, which he hit 35 doubles last year. And he's just been extremely durable as well. He's not missing more than a few games here or there. And as he enters his age 28 season, do you see any regression with Jorge Polanco or any reason he should be drafted as the ninth when we have him at six? The only place for regression I see is that his home run per fly ball rate last year was 16%. His highest rate before last season was 9.6%. So I'm not sure that 16% home run per fly ball rate is sustainable for him because like you said, he, his hard hit rate is below average 37%. That's way below league average. I don't know if he can repeat the home run numbers that we saw him put up last year. Um, But I think he's a good bet to at least approach it because he does hit the ball in the air a lot. Yeah. That's the thing. He hits the ball in the air so much. So do you think the home run to fly ball rate? eh, If he's hitting the ball in the air so much and hitting so many home runs, I guess those two kind of still equate to each other. I don't see 33 home runs again. I don't, but I, I could get behind similar average and maybe even a better average and 25 bombs easily. And he's going to be hitting at the heart of that, that twins lineup. I think the runs and RBIs numbers are right there. And I still think he's very, very valuable. Even if he only hits 25 home runs. I think that's a possibility. I just think I could easily see 30. I really could see 30, especially because He's so durable. He plays every single game. 
game in game out. And he also is going to get you some shortstop eligibility as well. Yep. I just think Jorge Blanco is a great choice in drafts. Someone I would draft most likely over hobby bias. I might differ from you there. I'm going to differ from you there. I'm taking, I'm taking Baez, but with the caveat that Blanco's ADP right now is 80 compared to Baez at 62. I, I could see the intrigue of taking Polanco a round or two later than Baez. And Baez is a guy that some people are even taking in the second or third round. Like there's some people just, out there that are very, very high on Javier Baez. I'll just wait for Jorge Polanco. I'm good with that. Uh, that I know very. what I'm going to get with Jorge Polanco. And I know it's kind of hard to say, you know what you're going to get after a guy with 30, you know, 33 months for the first time ever. But I just, I like the player. And from what I've seen, I'm confident in Jorge Polanco moving forward. I do want to bring us to the next guy who is seven picks ahead of Jorge Polanco with an ADP of 73. It's Jose Altuve, who you definitely know by now. Um, he's not the Jose Altuve that we once knew that's going to steal 30 plus bags. But, but Jose Altuve has completely overhauled his approach. He's hit 30 home, 31 home runs in 2019. And again, in 2021, he's a power first second baseman now, which is shocking, right? Shocking. Also, this Astros lineup is unreal. It really does pay to hit in front of Joran Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, Michael Brantley, and Alex Bregman. And even with the, the expected departure of Carlos Correa, he should be able to approach his career high of 117 runs again. I could really, really see that. You're still going to get seven, eight, nine, even 10 bags stolen from him. And entering his age 32 season, I'm really still not worried about injury. This is a guy that's played more than 124 games in every single season of his career. He's never had injury issues, and I don't see why that would start next year. I agree. I, and I love the point uh, to how good the Houston offense is and how many runs he's going to score. Because I think he can, again, lead the position in runs. 117, I could see 120, even with Carlos Correa. Because Jeremy Pena, the guy most likely going to fill in their rookie shortstop, I think he's a solid glove, but he can hit a little bit too. I don't see like this crazy, crazy drop-off with Carlos Correa leaving the Astros. I'm not saying there will be a drop-off in terms of offensive production between Carlos Correa and Jeremy no. Pena. But I still think that this Houston offense is going to be loaded. I think Kyle Tucker is going to take an even higher step up. I think he's a superstar in waiting. Jordan Alvarez, they got plenty already named him. My only my only pushback to what you were saying, because everything you were saying was 100% correct, it's just the stolen bases when you were saying seven, eight, or nine. The problem is in 2016, he sold six. And last year, he sold five. He's only getting older. He's going to be 31, 32 years yeah. old. I I just don't think he's going to run anymore. I think five might be exactly what we see. I don't think he's going to creep up there, even though you'd expect a guy like Altuve to give you plenty of speed. I would say when you look at Jose Altuve, think power and almost assume that he's not going to steal any bases because I don't think he's going to get you more than five. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I do like that Astros lineup now that Tucker is basically going to move into where Correa was and he's yeah. going to hit in that he's three or four hitter. hole now. He was sitting in the seven hole last year. It's I think it almost hit. makes that lineup better. Also, but the thing is with Bregman, what do you think Bregman's going to do? Because Bregman also had a down year, but I think he's going to be at least somewhat better next year. I think Maybe he can be better. All the way to what Bregman was. I don't think yeah. any of us are expecting that again, but Bregman will at least be a little bit better, which maybe Bregman's a little bit of his resurgence combined with Jeremy Pena maybe adds up almost to what Carlos Gray gave you. I don't know, but it's still, regardless, it's going to be a sick lineup. How about number four, Whit Merrifield of the Kansas City Royals? What's not to like about Whit Merrifield? 
even though he had the worst season to date last year in, in just the terms of OPS, he's still extremely valuable on your fantasy team. He finished 2021 with 40 stolen bases, which led the position. He hit 277 with almost 100 runs as well. He likely isn't going to hit you more than 10 to 15 home runs, but he makes up for it in all the other categories. And he's so durable. He's only missed two games since 2018, and he's consistently in the top five in plate appearances throughout the entire league. You know you'll get plenty of volume, and he qualifies in the outfield. That's why you're seeing him being drafted in the 30 to 35 range and the third second baseman off the board. My only worry is that seems a little early for Whit Merrifield, but stolen bases, he could win you that category by himself. It's not a guy I'm, I'm necessarily targeting, but the appeal is there. If you need runs and you need stolen bases, Whit Merrifield is your guy. He might have the lowest hard hit rate in baseball. It's, it's close. I think he hits the, the ball like 28% hard hit rate, yeah. which is him very, very, very low. Him and um, D-Fletch chilling. Literally, literally. But it doesn't matter in fantasy for him because he's going to steal 40-plus bags. He's going to be probably over 100 runs next year. I think 97 could be on the low end for him, especially with Bobby Witt entering that lineup. MJ um, Nick Prado potentially entering that lineup. MJ Melendez entering that lineup. And maybe that doesn't impact with Merrifield this year. Maybe that's more of a 2023 thing for him because those guys are still in the minor leagues and we don't know exactly when they're kind of going to come up besides Bobby Witt. Um, but yeah, I think his price point is really high here, but you can't, you can't ignore 40 stolen base upside because not many guys have it. I think only a few. And another thing I'm going to harp on because I love this, the durability aspect, like, you know, day in and day out when Merrifield is coming yep. to the field and he's just going to hit and he's just going to play good defense. You don't really care about the defense. But he hasn't missed a game in three years. Yeah. He doesn't miss games. He just straight up doesn't miss games. So that's another thing where I know I can count on Whit Merrifield day in and day out of my fantasy team. Yep. Yep. The next guy is very, very different from Whit Merrifield because I think the the gap here in real life is very, very different, but in fantasy, it definitely is not. It's Marcus Simeon of now the Texas Rangers. So Simeon was nothing short of disappointing in 2020. He had a very, very down year, bet on himself, went to the Blue Jays on a one-year deal. That may be the single best decision that Marcus Simeon has made in his whole entire life and may make ever in his whole entire life. I think it is. Last year with the Blue Jays, he hit 30, no, he hit, 45 home runs with 102 RBIs and 115 runs. It showed that 2019 where he had 33 home runs was definitely not a fluke. He finished third place in the MVP and then signed a seven year, $175 million contract. Do I think he can repeat 45 home runs next year? I don't think so. I really, really do not think so, but I think a move back to 33 home runs, 30 to 35 home runs is somewhat likely the Rangers ballpark is not the best hitters ballpark, the new one. Um, but really I, I think in the middle, he's going to hit second or third in that Rangers lineup with Corey Seager, either right in front of him or right behind him. And he's going to have the upside to, to do what he did last year in runs and RBIs and probably not hit 45 home runs again. What do you think? I'm trying to see where he's getting drafted right now because currently he's going right after Whit Merrifield. I would prefer Marcus Semien to Whit Merrifield, and I kind of agree with you. I don't think 45 home runs is going to happen ever again in his career, but I, that doesn't mean that he's going to regress to some 
back to 2020 or even 2018 or something worse than that. I think 2019 is kind of the baseline year that we should look at as what we should see in 2022, you know, new place first year in the deal, you know, I mean, there've been plenty of guys who've been great in their first year and been plenty of guys who have not been great in their first year. Most notably recently, Francisco Lindor, not great in his first year with yep. the Mets, Anthony Rendon. Uh, of course he was dealing with injuries, but first year in the angels, not great either, but there are some success stories. I think Marcus Semien getting drafted after Whit Merrifield is great value. That's why we have him at number three. And if I don't grab, uh, I was going to say, if I don't grab Semien Albies or Turner, I'm waiting, but, I think you got to grab one of these guys within the top 10. You got to put them on one of your Agreed. team. Marcus Semien is a phenomenal option, especially because you get shortstop. I think the only well. thing that's vying against Marcus Simeon is his expected stats last year were not even close to the numbers he put up. His ex slugging was almost a hundred points less than the slugging percentage he put up. And you have to remember the blue Jays were playing in that launch pad in, in Dunedin and in Buffalo yeah. for half of the year. And for a guy like Simeon, where a lot of his home runs, are going to be on that more fringy side where they're not going to be 430 feet. Like there, some of them will, but not a lot of them. Um, but he does have more than 10 stolen bases in the last six seasons. And you pretty much know what you're getting there. I mean, you really kind of know what you're getting here with Simeon, um, but I wouldn't expect what he did last year. I agree. I mean, it's just hard to expect last year right now. What I'm trying, what I am attempting to pull up is Marcus Simeon's. Uh, first and second half splits I want to see exactly you know the first half when they were playing at Dunedin and Buffalo um, where he hit most of his home runs and my stupid computer just taking about an hour to load yeah let's see so pre all-star break he hit 22 home runs post all-star break he hit 23 home runs so it's he actually had a better better second half he had a better second half so maybe he's just too good of a hitter that that won't even matter that much but i still regardless 45 home runs is is i think too much but i also wouldn't be totally shocked if he hit 40 i think he's gonna i'm I'm not gonna expect it though i'm not gonna advertise that i think 30 30 is more more what he's gonna do i agree let's get to number two ozzy albies of the atlanta braves Albies is a four-category monster with the ability to be a five-category monster. He finished 2021 with 30 bombs, 20 bags, 100-plus RBIs and runs. But the only thing lacking, the only thing, is the batting average at 259 last year. But this is a player who hit 295 in 2019. So he has the talent to do it. It's just a question, will he? It may not even matter that much because he can hit you 40 doubles on top of those 30 bombs, but he's also just such a durable player. But, and if we're excluding 2020, cause he only played 29 games that year, you know, he's dealing a little bit of injuries, but in a pandemic shortened season, I'm not too worried about it. He's averaging 158 games per year since 2018. So what I know he's going to dominate four categories and he's going to play every day and he's got the opportunity to hit 280 to 290. I love Ozzy Ozzy Albies in fantasy and at his current ADP of 18.91, I don't think it's a bad pick. Agreed. I think it's a really, really good pick. And I I think there's more home run potential here too. Um, His home run for per fly ball rate last year was 12.3%. That's not even the highest he's ever done. He's crept up in the 15, 16 percentile 
Um, I think he could vie for 35 home runs here. The story with Ozzy Albies is always, what do we always say about Ozzy Albies? He cannot hit from the left side, which is crazy because he hits from the left side basically primarily, right? He's only going to face left-handed pitchers from as a righty, you know, 20% of the time, but it would be fantastic. I'm not saying he's not going to do this this season, but I'm waiting for the day that Ozzy Albies says, screw it. I'm just going to hit from the right side and see what happens. It would be so interesting, but regardless of all of that, I think he's a really, really good pick here. And, and as you said, he's a four category monster, 30 to 35 home runs, a hundred runs and RBIs and 20 plus stolen bases. He's pretty much locked in for that with the upside, I think to have a higher average. He could he really could. I agree. And, and just to your point, um, to give our listeners an idea of how Ozzy Albies performed as a switch header last year, he had a 939 OPS as a right-handed hitter against left-handed pitching. And as a, as a left-handed hitter against right-handed pitching, he had a 749 OPS. There was a hundred point difference in batting average and he hit nine home runs against, um, against left-handed pitching and hit, 21 bombs so he actually has a decent amount of power but other than that i just want to know how bad he would be from the right side versus righties because he's done it too i think he's done it a few times wild wild i I want to see it done one of these days it's gonna happen it's gonna happen happen. arm's gonna tweet enough at him to do it and he's gonna do it i think we're gonna get in his head (laughs) it's funny you know another guy who's dealt with that a little bit just in the minor league so far as adley rutschman Mm mm-hmm He's dealt with some of those problems too. It's just interesting. It's like, and even a guy, um, who am I thinking of? Cedric Mullins is a guy who used to be a switch hitter and just, you know, went straight to the left side and hit 30-30. I learned that recently. I actually did not know that. It was funny. I was searching on eBay for Cedric Mullins cards and I saw him hitting righty in one of the cards. And I was like, is this a, is this a misprint? There's no way Cedric <laughs> Mullins is a righty. So I went and looked it up and he was a switch hitter. I had no idea. Um, but, but yeah, just, just really funny. Um, so that brings us to the number one second baseman, but also the number one overall fantasy player. It's Trey Turner, who also plays shortstop, um, but he has the second, second base eligibility as well. Um, so yeah, he's number one by ADP, number one in my heart. He's a baseball player's baseball player. He's stolen 32 plus bases in five straight full seasons and hit, has hit 304 over the last six years. Power was the only tool that he was missing going into 2021 to be a, you know, top fantasy player. And what did he do? He hit 28 home runs and proved that he can be literally the five category guy. He is the five category guy. I think 30 home runs is well within reach again. I think it's very repeatable. Um, He had a career high hard hit rate. And in this Dodgers lineup, I could see even more than 77 RBIs next year. I think he's not going to, he might hit lead off sometimes, but I think he's going to hit in the two and three hole as well. And I think he's going to have the opportunity to drive in Mookie Betts a lot. I love Trey Turner and I'd pick him second overall right after Fernando Tatis Jr. Because I'm just obsessed with him. And I think this is going to be the MVP year. <laughs> That's just your stick. It's just, the I'm way not, it is. I'm not worried about the, I mean, I'm slightly worried about the injuries, but it's just, he's the actual ultimate five category beast. And the only reason I say that about Trey Turner is why do you think the power is going to stay? Because this is a guy who, you know, 2016, 13 runs, then 11, then 19, then 19, then 12, then 18, then 10, then 28. And you said 30 home runs. So I just want to know why. 
because I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I'm just curious as to why. Yeah, yeah. No, you just want to give the viewers more insight as to why. Absolutely. He uh, His hard hit rate went up to 46% last year. And he's just proven that he could hit 20 home runs before with a hard hit rate about 39, 40%, which is league average. When you creep up that much more and you're hitting baseballs that much harder, it's just, it's only going to help you hit more home runs. If he, if he comes back next year with a 46% hard hit rate, and I think he could actually go higher than that because Trey Turner is still getting better as crazy as that may sound. He could even creep up to 50% hard hit rate and just turn into like, the MVP candidate. He could be, he could win an MVP this year. I think that's, that's a, a likely outcome. I don't have the home run to fly ball rates in front of me, but what I do have is his, how many ground balls he hits, fly balls, line drives, and he hits about 46% of balls on the ground. And it's just fine for me. I think it's sustainable. Year. It's sustainable, but it's just the thing is he, for all the balls that he hits in the air, he has to do a lot of damage to hit yep. 30 home runs. Yep. And I think I just think what we're more likely going to see is like 20 to 25 home runs from Trey Turner, but then everything else is going to be absolutely elite. So the only reason I'm going to contest you on that one is because in 2020, um, his home run for per fly ball rate was 17%. It was 17% last year. So in 2020, he hit 12 home runs in 60 games. Extrapolate that over a full season. What is that, Peter? I mean, that's over 30 home runs. I think over 30 home runs is definitely not out of the question. And I think 28 is basically on the dot number. All the projection systems have him at 28, 29, 27. The lowest has him at 25 home runs. I think the projection systems are historically conservative. I think 30 home runs is, is probably where I'm going to set him at. It's pretty ambitious, but I am I like talking it. you into this? I hope I'm talking you into this. You are kind of talking me into this. I don't know. I, it's, it's hard for you to talk me into th- like putting him at 30 home runs. You know what I'm saying? Like he's going to set another record in home runs in his career in a single season. I'm just slightly worried about that, but that's also me trying to poke holes in the number one fantasy player. Like every other thing, he's going to be amazing. This is a guy who could hit you. He could probably win another batting title, hit you 330. He's going to have so many runs in that Dodgers lineup. He may actually have more runs than, than Jose Altuve. And then the RBIs, he's going to have plenty of them too. I just don't know. I'm a little bit more down on the power, but I also don't really disagree with you because your analysis is sound, so we could easily do it. I just, watching him swing, knowing that he doesn't put the ball in the air that much, I just have a hard time thinking to myself, Trey Turner is a 30 home run guy. You know what I'm saying? It is hard to imagine when you think about Trey Turner three years ago, but after watching Trey Turner last year, he destroys baseballs now. He does pulverize baseball. So it's like we have to recalibrate our thinking of the way Trey Turner plays baseball because now he's just the ultimate power speed guy and it's crazy. But I want to not wrap up here, but I kind of want to do an overview. Who do you mm-hmm. think 10 to one here is a guy that's going to overperform on their ADP and a guy that you think is a big risk to not perform to their current ADP. And these are guys that probably you're targeting and one guy that you're staying away from. So I'm staying away from Javi Baez, but I'm actually probably staying away from Cattell Marte. I'm just, I'm, I'm always going to be worried about the injuries. I'm worried that in Arizona, if they don't trade him, that he's not going to have any real reason to just like come back and like, oh, I need to get back in the game. 
So, but Ketel Marte, again, has the opportunity to be a top five, even top three second baseman with the amount of talent that he has. It's just, I see a lot more durability at this position, and that's something I'd probably latch on to more. So that's why I'd probably just stay awake from Ketel Marte, even though, you know, he's so fun to watch and he's so cool <laughs> to have on your team. Um, one guy that I think could overperform it's funny when you look at the second base position, that's such a tough answer because I feel like we know what we're going to get from so many of these guys that there's a lot. I mean, besides Jonathan India, just at the back, because he's, you know, he's going into his sophomore season. There's a lot of veterans, dudes who are durable guys who I know are going to be there. So yep. I'm, I've flipped that question back to you. Who do you think is a guy who could overperform? Um, I'm going to go. There's a couple guys. First, I'm going to start back to Trey Turner. I think he's not going to overperform his ADP because he's going one. first overall. <laughs> but I think he's going to put up an even better season than last year, especially in the RBI category. He only hit 77 RBIs last year. And I think that's likely because he was with the Nationals for most of the year. Um, and I think he's the, the Dodgers moved him away from the leadoff spot to end the year. I think he's going to hit in that two and three spot and have opportunities to drive in more runs. I could see 90 RBIs um, and even more runs. I think... I think I'm going to stray away from you on Javier Baez. I think that Javier Baez has the upside here to deliver top 30 fantasy value next year. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but but the floor you're getting with Javier Baez, like I said, 31 home runs on average, 90 runs and RBIs on average with 17 to 20 stolen bases on average. That's a great floor to have. And if those adjustments that he did make in the second half do shine through next year, what I've always said with Javier Baez is he's one slight change away from being such a fantastic player. And obviously you can wait around forever for guys to make that one little change, but I think he's close to making it. And I think he saw at the end of last year that if he does make that slight decrease in K percentage, he's going to break out and be the best Javier Baez he can be. Um, so I think that is my answer there, but back to Kettle Marte, I just kind of want to cover who is going around Kettle Marte and, and just kind of, give an idea of who you can get around his ADP, not at second base, even like you can get Luis Castillo there. You can get Corey Seager where he's being drafted. Even Jose Barrios is just a little bit above him, but I think I would take those guys probably over Kettle Marte just because they're safer. I agree. Every name you Jose Barrios, maybe, but probably, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Uh, that would be a decision, but probably, especially like, you know, if I need pitching, Who's the guy that you think will underperform in the top 10? I could see India underperforming here. Um, like you said, the sophomore slump. I don't really think that the power is real, and I don't really see the upside in that Reds lineup. Obviously, he's going to hit leadoff, and obviously Joey Votto is there. Jesse Winker is still there. Um, but I don't necessarily see a ton of upside for him. Like I think what he did last year is kind of maybe his ceiling in a way. I think it's it's a very safe range for him to hit but I don't think it's that exciting of a guy for me um I really like where Jose Altuve is going right now me too I just kind of want to go back to that like I, I really like where he's going I think 73 is kind of a perfect spot for him I would take him there I think a lot of people are overhyping his his age I think age 32 for Jose Altuve is absolutely fine you just can't ex expect the uh the stolen base numbers but I don't know I think a lot of these um these guys are pretty safe. Jorge Blanco, I could see taking a step back. Like we said, I don't think 33 home runs is going to happen again. Um, I could see him even going 25 or below next year, just because I don't think the hard hit rate mixed with 
the fly ball rate is very sustainable for 33 home runs. That's where we disagree slightly. Ah, slightly. You said 25. I still think he can hit 30, but that's the fun part about it. We will see. So this is our top 10. At number 10, we have Jonathan India. At number nine, we have Brandon Lau. At number eight, we have Cattell Marte. At number seven, we have Javier Baez. Six, Jorge Polanco. Number five, Jose Altuve. Number four, Whit Merrifield. Number three, Marcus Semien. Number two, Ozzy Albies. And number one, and the best overall player in fantasy, according to Colby Olson, and the number one player according to ADP, but not according to me. He's number two according to me, <laughs> but very slight according to number two. But that'll do it for this episode of Not Gambling Advice. We will be back on Monday, and I think we got a good schedule going here, Colby. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we're going to be doing more college baseball stuff. We're going to start opening up the futures market because the future odds are coming out as well. And we know yep. we're going to have a season and we need to not gamble on those. So that's all I'm feeling. I think off. we should uh, we should talk some college basketball as we get into March Madness as well. Because I think baseball fan or not, I think everybody's into March Madness, no matter your allegiances to sports. So we'll definitely do some March Madness coverage as well. Absolutely. And we'll call on our good friends, Jack McMullen and Arm Layton to bring them on too, because there's some college basketball heads. So that'll do it again for Friday's edition of Not Gambling Advice. Um, I'm I'm rocking my JB hoodie. I'm rocking my JB hoodie. I'm feeling very warm right now. Shout out to Q's, the 315, baby. Colby, instead of wearing just baseball merch, he just wears other people's merch and then shouts <laughs> it out on the pod. That, that's what he likes to do. Thank you very much, Colby. But get your just baseball merch in the episode link description. Um, and that'll do it. And with that, yeah. peace out, boys. Everybody.